Well, tonight I want to share with you about our prayers at home, our individual prayers, because what happens when we get together as a church and pray depends upon what we do in private prayer. Um, you know, for instance, just the fervency of a person's prayers when we gather together is an outgrowth of their personal prayer life. And there's, through the years, I, I remember various people that I just loved to hear them pray because I, I knew that they'd been praying individually every day. They'd been praying when they got together with other people and prayed. There was, there was some fire in their prayer. You know, there was some closeness with God that was, was there. So I've entitled this one, uh, Seven Days Without Prayer. I saw this on a church sign. It wasn't an Adventist one. But uh, seven days without prayer makes one week. And, uh, you know, I'm afraid that so many people are going a week and sometimes longer without their personal prayer time. We're told in James 5, verse 16, that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, I'm sure none of us want to call ourselves righteous. Um, but really, if we have accepted Christ, we are righteous because of his righteousness. And I think it's in that sense that this is talking about that when someone who is committed to Christ prays, things happen. Changes occur. No, I think effectual has to do with um, it works. In other words, it, it's quoting, of course, from the experience of Elijah. And you remember that Elijah was praying for rain. God had already told him it would rain. He was praying for rain. And he prayed the first time and it didn't rain. Prayed the second time and it didn't rain. The seventh time when he prayed, it, it rained. And of course, his prayer for fire to come down out of heaven... I mean, those were very effectual prayers. Things happen. Yes. I had a great burden for quite a few weeks past. A young couple, I knew they were having some trouble in their marriage, and the man told me that she had moved on. Mm -hmm. So, really special burden for quite a few weeks. But last weekend, I went to visit them, and I was so pleased and surprised to see her meet Kathy Dewan. Amen. Amen. That's, you know, that's what really keeps us praying. Now, we need to learn to pray when there doesn't look like there's any answer, but the thing that really keeps us praying is that we see that God is doing what we've asked Him to do. And that means we've prayed correctly, uh, asked for the right things. You know, that's important, too. Jesus, of course, is a wonderful example about prayer when he was here on earth. And in Matthew 14, 23, <clears throat> it says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, 
he went up into a mountain apart to pray. I think this is a very important ingredient. We need to have a private place for our personal prayer. And for Jesus, apparently uh, in the home, of course, we know there are quite a few brothers and sisters. And then when he was in his public ministry, he was around people all the time. He was often staying in the houses of other people. And, you know, where can you find a quiet place to pray? So he would go often up into a mountain and pray. Now, I'm really blessed right now to have an office in the church and there's periods of time where nothing is going on in the church. Welcome. This is a family that had been at Wildwood and they went over to help David Gates. So I said, why don't you join us Friday night? <laughs> Thank you for coming. Different, you know, people may find a different spot. You may have one in your own home that's really quiet. But I believe it's important, if at all possible, to have a place where it's really quiet. Now, some people can seem to concentrate with all kinds of things going on around, but I'm, I'm not that way. If I'm going to pray and really connect with God, I have to be alone. It has to be quiet and nothing else disturbing me. So that seems like what Jesus did. And in Luke 6, 12, it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray. This time, though, it says, And continued all night in prayer to God. He doesn't call us to pray all night often, I don't think. But <clears throat> there could be things that we're facing that are so serious that an all-night prayer would be uh, a wise thing to do. And, of course, Jesus was facing often some very important things. We're told that uh, before he selected the disciples, he spent all night in prayer to get the right ones, you know. And still Judas got in by because of the wishes of the other disciples, but the rest of those disciples were picked Accurately, They were exactly the ones that Jesus needed to have. And even Judas was to a certain extent because it taught them some important lessons. But <clears throat> to get 11 out of 12 that go through all the way to the end successfully, that's an incredible ratio. And I don't think too many churches are going to succeed that well to have that kind of ratio. Why did Jesus get the right ones? It was because he spent all night in prayer to pick the right ones. From Signs of the Times of June 18, 1902, it says, His humanity made prayer a necessity and a privilege. So it's twofold. We are so weak, that without prayer, we're going to mess up a lot. And so it's a necessity. And even Jesus found it a necessity because he came in a human body and he had to receive strength. 
It was a must. But then it's also privilege. You know, I've noticed that uh, when two people fall in love, they don't have any trouble communicating with each other or finding time to communicate, do they? In fact, sometimes they find too much time and they neglect some other duties because they're so anxious to be together and, and be able to talk. So it's, it's a privilege. And Jesus wanted to be able to talk with his Father. He wanted that communication. He missed that communication after leaving heaven. And so when we really have the relationship with Jesus that we ought to have, we can't neglect prayer because we have to have that communication. We just feel wrong without it. We, we feel distanced. We feel uh, a gap has set in between us and God. He found comfort and joy in communion with his Father. Now here's, I think, the best answer to prayer, although it's wonderful to get our prayer requests answered. But while he was praying, he received comfort. He could tell that his father was listening, that he himself was different because of the time that he was spending in prayer. And, of course, he had many burdens to bear, and so during his prayer time, he would be filled with joy as a result of his prayer. Then this brings the lesson for us. And if the Savior of men, the Son of God, felt the need of prayer, how much more should feeble, sinful mortals feel the necessity of fervent, constant prayer? I think this is one of the things we neglect because we don't sense how weak we are. But I think that God is allowing the devil to attack us, to see our weakness. And that's going to push us to more prayer, I believe. And so uh, Jesus was fully aware of his weakness as a human being. And uh, God wants to wake us up to that and to realize that without help from Him, we just can't do whatever it is. You know, doesn't matter. We can't resist temptation. We can't teach a Sabbath school class. We can't preach a sermon. We can't witness for Christ. If we haven't prayed, we're just not going to do as well. And so our weakness should drive us. In some ways, we're even weaker than Christ because once you sin once, you get weaker. And he never sinned once. So our weakness is much bigger than his weakness. And notice how faithful in prayer he was. A little bit on the results of prayer, same reference. Jesus opened his public mission with fervent prayer. We know he spent 40 days praying out there in the wilderness because he knew 
he would be starting his public ministry. So I'm glad. I'm not sure what you plan after the 40 days, but the 40 days of prayer should be the preparation for something. So that we're gonna we're gonna make an evangelistic thrust. We're going to we're gonna do something after we've prayed for 40 days. That's what he did. And his example makes manifest the fact that prayer is necessary in order to lead a successful Christian life. He was constantly in communion with his father, and his life presents to us a perfect pattern which we are to imitate. He appreciated the privilege of prayer, and his work showed the results of communion with God. Now, I don't know how soon God can trust us with miracles of healing and casting out demons and uh, doing all the things that Jesus did, but he did say that his disciples were to be able to do that. And so, you know, the lack of being able to do many things today should be a witness to us that there hasn't been enough prayer. Because when Jesus put in practice a full system of his prayer life, every day where he went, amazing things happened. Incredible experiences were uh, given to people. And of course, I don't think raising the dead is the most important miracle. I think when somebody is converted, that's the most important miracle. But all these things are the result of prayer. And as I reflect on my past life, I am convinced that the reason he couldn't do more through me was that I wasn't careful enough to pray as much as Jesus prayed. But it's time for that to be corrected. Examining the record of his life, we find that upon all not just that before he started his ministry, upon all important occasions, he retired to the grove or to the solitude of the mountains and offered earnest, persevering prayer to God. So day after day, crisis after crisis, he would withdraw before facing whatever it was he needed to face, and he pled with his father. And, you know, then the father was able to answer him by doing wonderful things. Then it says he frequently devoted the entire night to prayer just before he was called upon to work some mighty miracle. So if it was really big, he would spend all night in prayer. In Signs of the Times of July 24, 1893, it says, During these nightly seasons of prayer, after the labors of the day, he compassionately dismissed his disciples, that they might return to their homes for rest and sleep. While with strong crying and tears, he poured forth earnest petitions to God in behalf of humanity.
This seems to indicate that he's not calling us to spend as many nights in prayer as he did. We probably couldn't handle it. But he does want us to realize that there are times when we might need to do that, when it might be necess a necessity in order to accomplish what he has for us on the next day or in the next little while, that it's going to take some serious connection with him. You know, one of the things that we're told about Elijah, why did he have to pray to the seventh time was because every time he prayed and there was no answer, he got a little smaller in his own eyes. And one of the problems we have with answered prayer is that we become proud. We think, wow, you know, I prayed a good prayer, or uh, I must be really good because God listened to me and he did it. That's our danger. We're, we're so weak in that area. And so... Uh, Elijah just had an incredible answer to prayer with the fire coming down from heaven. One prayer, that's all he offered. Just one prayer and phew, the fire came and burned up even the stones. But God had to bring him down to a humble position. And of course he was trying to prepare him not to make his mistake, I believe. And so he had to pray six times. And when he got to where he saw himself as nothing... And he saw God as everything, then it started to pour down rain. So I always think of that when we don't get our prayer answered right away. That God sees he can't give it to us yet because we're not ready. We, we would become proud. And yet he wants to see us receive answers to our prayers. <clears throat> One time uh, in Luke 11, we have the record Jesus was praying in the mountain and his disciples had been doing something somewhere and, and they came back looking for him. They knew some of his favorite places to pray and so they came and they found him and he wasn't done his praying yet. So uh, it says here in Luke 11, 1 and 2, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So I thought about that. It's, I believe it's telling us they recognized as they heard Jesus pray that they didn't know how to pray. Now, they grew up, we could say, Seventh-day Adventists. They grew up praying, just like some of us have grown up praying. But tonight, if we could hear Jesus pray, we might ask the same question. We might say, Jesus, we don't pray like you do. Can you teach us how to pray? And, uh, of course, that's what he wanted to do, because prayer is such an important thing. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now maybe sometime we can study uh, the Lord's Prayer, but we don't have time for that tonight. But I believe 
The Lord's Prayer was given in answer to the question, teach us how to pray. So we really need to study that prayer and pray the same kind of content, not the same words necessarily, although it's okay to do that, but it, it is giving a recipe for powerful praying. And Jesus was giving it an answer to their request. All right, well, that's a good thought, too. In Signs of the Times of December 3, 1896, it says, Jesus taught his disciples that only that prayer which arises from unfeigned lips, prompted by the actual wants of the soul, is genuine and will bring heaven's blessing to the petitioner. We need to get rid of the phrase, Lord, bless all the missionaries, bless all the call porters, and all those other phrases that we say. Now, if you really mean it, that's okay. But we have developed popular phrases to pray about. And this is opening our eyes to the fact that that kind of prayer gets nowhere it does not produce results. What we have to pray about is what we really need. What the church needs, what we need, what God's people need, what the community needs. And if, we, if we're not interested in it, don't pray about it. But we need to be genuine with God and, and really be honest with Him. It says, prompted by the actual wants of the soul. That's when he will listen to that prayer and he will give wonderful answers to it. In Romans 8, verse 26, it talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. And this text is misunderstood, but rightly understood, it's a, it's a wonderful text. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, this is talking about prayer. So it's saying that God has given the Holy Spirit to help our infirmity of not praying from the heart, not praying for what we need to pray for. The Holy Spirit is the one that God has given to help us to know how to pray. For, it says, we know not what we should pray for, as we ought. Now the second half gives people a different idea, but the second half has to be interpreted in the light of the first half. And he's clearly telling us here that when we kneel down to pray, frequently we don't even know what we should pray for. But he has given the Holy Spirit to impress upon us what we should pray for. And if we'll pray for those things, especially if we, you know, have a desire to have those things, then this is evidence that it will be answered because we prayed according to the Spirit. 
says, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession, and probably instead of the word for, it should be to. But the Spirit maketh intercession to us. And notice how urgent the Holy Spirit is with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is trying to its utmost to get us to pray for the things we need to pray about. And when we listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, then more answers will be able to come. Yeah, well, we have that. Jesus does that. So it's like a prayer is like a sandwich, you know? You have bread on both sides. The Holy Spirit is pushing us to pray what we should pray for. And when we do, Jesus can take that prayer and he can get an answer because it was the exact prayer that both Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father wanted us to pray for. And so it's, it's got to be answered. Because we've been, we've been pushed to pray for that. So once I understood that, I was more interested in listening to the Holy Spirit about what should I pray for. Then in Luke 9, verses 28 to 32, it says, He took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. This was the Mount of Transfiguration. And as he prayed... The fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. You know, many times we don't pray because we're too tired. Or maybe we're even praying and we fall asleep while we're praying. That was the problem they had. Why? They did not understand the urgency of praying. You know, if, if uh, you're almost in a head-on collision, or if you almost crash your vehicle, I remember one time many, many years ago, I was on the way home from Florida, and I was driving all night because I wanted to get home for work or whatever it was, and about 5 o'clock in the morning, the tires went off the pavement, and I uh, fortunately felt the bump and woke up and was able to pull the car back on the, the road again. You know what? I wasn't sleepy the rest of that night. I had no struggle with sleep. And this is our problem. We don't realize the danger we're in. We don't realize what we have to do tomorrow, maybe, or whatever it is. And so that prayer that we offer is just not urgent enough to us. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help us with that. But I think the more we pray and the more we see results, the more we become aware that Prayer is really an urgent matter. And it does make the difference whether we succeed or fail in 
uh, resistance of temptation or in uh, conquering, you know, the situation we're in or, or even to save a soul, whatever. So there's a lesson of what not to do. When it's time to pray, God needs to help us to feel the urgency so we'll stay awake. Jesus was tired too, but he didn't fall asleep. He prayed until all of a sudden Elijah and Moses appeared and this huge light, this bright light came. Uh, the disciples didn't see much of it, by the way. They just kind of woke up as it was stopping. And they could have seen the whole thing. But because they fell asleep, they, they didn't get to see the whole thing. We better close with this one so we have plenty of time to pray. Here, again, we see the same problem in Matthew 26, 39 to 41. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now before this, of course, he'd asked his disciples to pray for him and to pray for themselves because they were going to be really tested that night. This was going to be one of the biggest blows they ever got. And they needed to pray. He invited them to pray. But it says, And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? I don't know that that meant 60 minutes, but whatever the period of time was, it wasn't all night. It was just a portion of the night. He said, Peter, why couldn't you pray even this one portion of the night? He fell asleep. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. So now he gives an even clearer Warning, he said, Peter, you're going to be tempted, and you better pray. But we know the result. He fell asleep again. The spirit indeed is willing. He said, yeah, I know Peter really wants to pray, but he just can't seem to stay awake. But the flesh is weak. We know that happened three times. Peter fell asleep after being prompted Again and again, but he fell asleep again. And of course, Ellen White tells us that if Peter had prayed all that night, he would not have denied Jesus with cursing and swearing. So we have some very clear help on this matter. And I'm sure prayer is becoming more important to you as you've been doing it this long. And may this really cure our failure to pray, not only together, but individually, to really enter into the amount of prayer that we need for the last days.